Thank you for joining us for this episode of ZB Talk, a production of the Zeta Beta Tau Foundation. This podcast was created to highlight some of the many amazing stories about the brothers of Zeta Beta Tau fraternity. We, the brothers of Zeta Beta Tau fraternity, believe that the development of the individual as a responsible, mature member of society is the primary goal of the university today. We believe that fraternity offers to the university community a unique, desirable, and successful means of achieving this goal. In fulfilling the purposes of fraternity, we dedicate ourselves to the principles of intellectual awareness, social responsibility, integrity, and brotherly love. What's the hour? It must be time for ZB Talk. This is Farron Lewitt, Sci University of Alabama, 1997. And Jonathan H. Levin, Alpha Kappa, University of Wisconsin, 2002. We're your hosts for this episode of ZB Talk. guest today is Zach Banner, Alpha Delta, University of Southern California, 2017, who's an offensive tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL. Thanks for joining us, Zach. Thank you guys for having me. So, Zach, uh, hate has no place in our world, and ZBT strives to create a more inclusive world. Uh, by promoting awareness and dialogue, we can break down barriers and stereotypes, encourage undergraduates, alumni, and friends of ZBT to have real conversations about hate. Uh, Zach, I want to thank you for standing tall, which in some ways, as uh, someone who's 6'9", is fairly easy to do, uh, but you've definitely stood tall when speaking out about anti-Semitism. Uh, has that been easy for you to do? And if so, why? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those natural things for me to do, um, just as it's part of my personality and my character, but also just as a minority, you know, and um, the Jewish community are minorities themselves, um, whether, whether it's, you know, it's black Jews, um, it's white Jews and it's different, you know, there's, there's a lot of in between as you guys already know, and, uh, just to be educated on their background and everything. And not only the history of your guys's community, but also stuff we have to deal with now. So it's not like it was all in the past. And it's still stuff that you guys have to deal with. So um, as a black man, that's very relative to me. And my, my, my heart just, my heart is just open for the entire Jewish community. In a previous interview, you spoke about relationships with people. Please share with our listeners what, what your thoughts are on the importance of having relationships with people who are different than you. And how did your parents instill that in you? I think it's one of those things where the biggest, uh, don't get me wrong, both, both Ron Banner and Vanessa Banner, my parents, preach about, you know, being good people. But the character piece definitely is memor- more memorable for my mother. Um, she, she is the one with a big heart in the house. She is the one when somebody's feelings are hurt, 
or somebody is uh, emotional about something, she's the caring hand. And, you know, I remember to this day when I would, uh, I was, I, you guys got to remember, I was like five foot in the second grade. So I've always been like a, wow, like a, yeah, like a bigger kid, bigger human being. So I would come home in elementary school, early elementary school, um, like kindergarten and first grade and stuff, talking about, hey, the kids won't play with me and things like that. And it's just, you know, they won't let me play basketball and stuff like that. And she would, she, she would pull me aside and I would always, I, I remember to this day, it's like, no matter how successful you are, no matter what happens in sports, um, always remember your character is what people are going to remember. So tying that back into this, it's just, that's just how I was raised. And that's, I have a certain passion. Like, let's say if we were in the car and for some reason, um, somebody in my car had said something rude about someone at a bus stop and then they had, they had heard it. They, they overheard that conversation and, and they were upset. I, I would feel the need to roll my window down and apologize. That's just the kind of guy I am. So when something like this drastic happens, um, and it's so detrimental to the growth of the Jewish community. Like, first of all, they shouldn't have been dragged into it in the first place. I've been saying that over and over again, and I want to stand by those words, um, especially when we're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but just the anti-Semitic comments, it's so, I'm, I'm okay with admitting this. When I, when I read the articles, um, Adam Schefter and those guys had retweeted that Deshaun Jackson was going to be in trouble. Um, it, it, it was it was one of those situations where I didn't even know what anti-Semitism was. I didn't know what it was as a as a term. Um, I had to look it up, and when I looked it up, I was just appalled. And then I had to look and see what Deshaun said. And then obviously, like you know, the last person we need to be quoting is Hitler. Anybody. Um, and it's, it just, it made me feel a certain type of way. I, I was reading these comments on my phone and I was reading the articles and I saw his apology video. Obviously he took down his post, but I, I got to see the screenshots of it and I, I couldn't go back to sleep. Um, Wednesday for me, Wednesday, Saturday and Sundays for me are, are very light cardio days and just days that I do a lot of mobility and go on a jog or a bike ride or both. And I had to knock it out right there because I knew I was going to say something, but I had to think about the message because as you guys know, being a um, quote unquote public figure in today's world, you have to be careful, especially when you're talking about things like culture, race, religion, et cetera. You need to be cautious of what you're saying. But at the end of the day, no script needed, no talk needed, no, no necessary like text or phone call to clear with my manager slash publicist, Sarah, I, I, I just did it because that, that, that's what we, how we need to transition in the NFL. We need to transition from here on out. When one of us makes a mistake, we not only hold them accountable and try to, try to take care of you know, the, the issue however we can with amongst each other as NFL players and the NFL Player Association, but we also need to hold each other accountable publicly and make sure that the fans know that that's not what we represent. So how did attending USC and becoming a brother of ZBT 
impact your opportunities to build relationships with people who are different than you? Well, as you guys know, you know, fraternity life, especially in Zeta Beta Tau, Zeta Beta Tau is is um, very, very powerful network. Very, very powerful. Not not only nationally, but at USC, our chapter has 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 a lot of lot of prominent people coming through it. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that that are alumni and that have graduated from USC and gone on to do amazing things. That was, I think, that's everybody's initial, you know, thought when they're they're thinking about joining. But once I got in, the the relationships that I built. Aren't you know when you talk about networking and network, you're talking about finding acquaintances. You're talking about finding people who can help support you of, along your path of work. This was different. This was, I mean, these are my brothers, my brothers to these days, to this day, who were my roommate, uh, Justin Chan, Adam Turner, um, Sterling Campbell. These guys are my brothers for life. It's it's one of those type of situations, guys. That were like Zeta Beta Ta is 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 very very near and dear to my heart, and the brothers in it. As you can tell from the natural emotion in my voice, um, these men, and the and the men in my house and the men in my chapter, and at some point even nationally and at, at other chapters, they're my brothers. We have a handshake. It's pretty cool when you go in for a regular handshake and 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 you feel and you feel the you feel that little secret that little secret handshake and it's uh it just it brings a smile to your face and it's a connection that can't be substituted by anything else. We appreciate you sharing with us and um uh bring us back to the handshake and that reminder of making us smile uh we're talking about some heavy stuff here and uh so uh we appreciate uh that reminder. Um whether it be anti-Semitism, racism, or other forms of hate, uh, we believe that unchecked hate against one community can lead to hate against other communities. And about two months after you signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I believe uh, it was, uh, a mass shooting took place at the Tree of Life Synagogue in, in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood of Pittsburgh. And I'm curious, uh, as uh, someone who was at that time joining the Pittsburgh community, how did it impact you? How did it impact the team? And uh, what were your observations of how it impacted the Pittsburgh community? Yeah, you know, I keep bringing up my mom. She was also, right now she's a high school principal. Dad's a superintendent of a school district. And mom is, mom started off as a social studies history and English teacher. And she, uh, at a very young age, had me look up a lot, a lot, a lot of history. And I had fun reading. I had fun educating myself. It was kind of a way to pull my mind out of sports and learn about the the real world at a really young age. We were able to go over things, you know, and everyone knows in terms of like Jewish, in in educating America about the Jewish culture and, and Jewish community, you know, especially when we talk about something as sensitive as the Holocaust, somewhat of a of a of of a postered face and story is is the Anne Frank and her family and the unfortunate situation. That's a very very small detail to the entire um, history of the Jews and and it, it's it's very very sensitive when you talk about it 
And when you talk about that story and the Holocaust with Jewish people, just like it is when I was in third grade and I read up on the awful story of the the bombing of the Birmingham church and the four little girls, um, the four little Mm -hmm. black girls who died in that bombing, that pain and that fear and like, what? This is the, this is the early 2000s, obviously, um, when I was in third grade. And it was so far from the, it was so much like way bo- before me, but it just, I was so shocked as a kid from Tacoma, Washington, up by Seattle. I was so shocked. We're so, we're so protected on the West Coast. And don't get me wrong, we still have our form of racism and discrimination. But I was so shocked that somebody had to go through that. And like, that's a real thing. So I started reading more and I'm like, what? March on Washington. Uh, Police members and sheriffs like hosing down parade uh, marches and protests. Um, Rosa Parks, all those type of things. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying all this for a reason, guys, because as a third grade black kid, my heart was like, what? Some kid, some Jewish kid, someone from Jewish descent is going to do the same thing when they read of the Tree of Life Synagogue. Some kid is going to, down the road, read that and hear about it. And their heart is going to feel like it reminded in third grade. And, and that's what I think about. That's what I thought about when I saw the city shut down. That's what I thought about uh, when Mike Tomlin enters a room. Uh, he enters the team meeting room. He says, depending on the time of day, he says, good morning, men. We all say good morning. He says, good evening, men. Say good evening. The pitch in his voice and his tone was different that day. Because, as you know, it was on a Saturday morning when, when people were at the temple and they were practicing their faith that Saturday, Saturday night before we play on Sunday, we stay at a hotel home or away. So we have our team meeting before we go to bed and chill out, play some video games and watch a movie. The room was just so quiet. I felt it. I felt that, uh, mind you, our league is 80 to 90% black and brown. So we know what hate crime is. When a man walks into a temple and says all Jews must die or whatever he said and opens an assault rifle on a a crowd of civilians, let alone someone just because of their faith, it's it's heart-wrenching. And if you don't have empathy towards that, then you, you don't deserve to have an opinion. Just stay away from it because there, there's people that are hurting. And, and that's, uh, unfortunately, you know, I was on with, uh, I was on air with someone yesterday having the same conversation and a professor, uh, they had, you know, they had one of, um, forget his name and what, what, where he worked, but had a college professor who, 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 writes books on anti-Semitism also as the, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and empowering the black and brown community. So he, he was able to talk, touch on both. And he said something like, statistically, there's been more 
hate crimes and you know the jewish community has been impacted by hate crime at its highest peak since you know in between now and the holocaust and in terms of american history and um it's just one of those type of situations that is very very unfortunate that somebody would attack somebody just because of their background so people of all races religions sexual orientation cultures backgrounds socioeconomic statuses come together for sports what responsibility do professional sports leagues have to lead the fight to address racism, anti-Semitism, and other forms of hate? Well, first and utmost, it's up to us players and athletes to understand what is wrong or what is right. It shouldn't be about us keeping our jobs either. And I'm not saying Deshaun's apology isn't authentic, but unfortunately, that's the world we live in, where people won't believe him. I do. I think his heart's in the right place because the reason why, the only reason I why, and I want to be loud and clear, I will never, ever approve of anti-Semitic comments. But the reason why is because I think it was a miseducation, miseducation on his part. I think he identified that. I think there's enough people in his life right now that are going to show him those type of things. And I know he talked about going to museums and, and um, ex-concentration camps and as you can tell, like, I'm just a guy looking from the outside in. He um, can't put our integrity at liability. You can't, you can't have us, regardless, let's just say if we lived in a place where we weren't pushing so hard towards black equality, for black equality, and, and towards a brighter future, regardless of that. How do we prevent ourselves from hurting our fans and their spirits? And they're not only, it's, it's not so much, and I don't want to make this about, because when you talk about fans, as in fans, it sounds like I'm talking about the money that, that they spend on us, right? And I'm just going to be the first one to tell you, I don't, I don't need that money. It's, it's, that's a small picture. When I say fans, I mean the idolization of the National Football League itself is huge and tremendous. It's the most powerful brand in American sports. I can speak on that, and I can, I can say that because I've, dream, I've dreamt of being here my entire life. And I got here, and I plan on staying here for a while. So it's easy for me to be able to you know, demand that the men around me think about what they choose to say. Now to go back to, because I, I want to I clarify some of the language, okay? First of all, you should never ever quote Hitler, no matter what, um, ever. But when a black man quotes something like that, I'm trying to give you guys a different perspective, okay? Because it's just, this is just the world we live in and, and it's something I disagree with. But back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I'm, I'm talking, I'm really not talking that long ago, but in the 1900s, especially, um, I use this as an example because this is very near dear to my heart, not only to the West Coast, but also to the USC community. Um, we, are, we are smack middle in South Central Los Angeles. I'm also a West Coaster. I, I grew up in the inner city neighborhood. I grew up around gangs. And when you talk about the Bloods and the Crips, they were initially created by black men in South Central Los Angeles as a way to protect their community from 
hate and and racism racism coming from not only um the white community but also the police and police brutality in the early 1900s or mid 1900s whatever you want to call it so what it was created for it was created as a protectional service when we didn't have a voice no one would hear us yes there were black athletes and and you know people in entertainment who had very very prominent roles but even them they couldn't speak out against it so to tie it all in and that but what the issue is and this is what i said in one of my videos the issue with gangs now is is now we're fighting amongst ourselves and and the youth had forgot about that purpose over time because of inter interracial conflicts but it's very very relatable how 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 certain things could be created in certain ways, and now later on in the world, it, it's it it just turns disastrous. So when we talk about Deshaun and his comments and quoting about Hitler, and I'll go back to the thing. I don't have it in front of me, but it, but it'll be stamped in my mind. He was attempting to do what the black community, the black and brown community, has done for a very long time, and I, I preach against it, and I try to show the youth a better way, um, because we do have a voice now. So remind you. We, we w didn't have a voice unless we protest or put our lives at risk. I'm not just talking about the Bloods and Crips. I'm talking about Martin Luther King. I'm talking about Malcolm X. I'm talking about peaceful protest. Um, we've had troubles in dealing with our voice and dealing with how we speak out. So what he was trying to attempt to do, <clears throat> once again, if somebody is ever coming in, you do not quote Hitler ever, ever. But what he was trying to do, what he was saying was we need to keep our quote-unquote third eye open and that third eye comment in the, the is 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 not allowing ourselves to be guided and misguided and that is wrong that is wrong because now in today's world we have a voice now in today's world we don't have to just stick together as a community and, and hate all communities no matter what now, I do want to say this, and you guys can also agree to this. There have been some horrible, horrible, horrible people who have represented the Jewish community in the past. And they have said things, and they have also kind of had the closed mind. And I don't want to speak for you guys, but you understand what I'm trying to say. It's, it's, it's one of the things... It's one of those things that it's a both, both way. So it's, it's a barbershop. I call it a barbershop debate. Barbershop debate is when you walk into a barbershop and you hear guys, LeBron versus Jordan. Who's better? I stay away from those because everybody, you know, everybody's going to have a good point. In this, a barbershop debate, everybody's going to have about this is going to have a bad conversation and bad points. Well, we were enslaved. Well, we were actually enslaved as well. Well, we were enslaved before you guys. Identifying each other's history is one thing, but using that history in the present time to keep ourselves from <laughs> intertwining and, and, and loving and, and, and having conversation and moving forward and educating each other on those histories, that is where we need to change the language. So we can't in public as a as public figures we can't do that anymore 
because it involves those fans and it involves our, our fans. That's just like me talking about somebody else and trying to use that as a lookout for them as well. It's hypocritical. Well, there's kind of looking back in the, the history a little bit, there's, there's an ancient proverb that says the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, it's suggesting that the two parties can or should work together against a common enemy. And the way I see this, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on it, in, why, in your opinion, haven't we all been able to just figure out that our common enemy is hate? <laughs> the question is, is because hate is such a, it's unfortunately a general statement. And it's, again, this is all my opinion, but hopefully by the end of this conversation, you'll agree with me. There, there sometimes as a black man, and I've, I've spoke to Jews and I've spoke to certain brothers of mine. Um, sometimes we, we have to talk about and have a dishonest discussion about the availability of guns in our, in our nation. I'll remind you, I'm never taught, I'm, especially in, when it comes to politics, I'm independent. I see, I see policies on both sides, left and right, but I'm not leaning towards anything. I'm just saying that the availability of people who are racist and hate against minorities, that they, they, they can go grab a gun and do something as crazy and as drastic as the synagogue shooting. They can, they can go do something like shoot and kill a people at a school. Um, there's that conversation about hate. Listen, we can't, we can't change, unfortunately, which sucks. But as a 26-year-old as a man, I can tell you right now, we can't, have, we can't change certain people who have racist mentalities and, and, and opinions. Because it's been taught to them so long that sometimes they don't even make themselves available to educate themselves. So what we have to do as communities against the term hate is exactly what a lot of professional athletes, especially black athletes who spoke up and anybody, honestly, who's speaking up against anti-Semitic comments or in terms of just police brutality, in terms of like I said, gun violence. You have to attack the, the laws and the structure of the government and the legislation. And that, unfortunately, that takes time, but no one wants to put that amount of work in until recently. And I know so I can speak for you. Um, I, I speak for you. I can speak for myself. Sorry about that. I can speak for myself and the, the Pittsburgh Steelers organization when, when we have met with a beautiful soul by the name of Blair Holmes, who's the head of our community relations. And we're sitting down and we're talking about the real stuff that needs to make change. Fortunately, but you got to remember too, and I, I've, I've told this on other platforms, especially in terms of the NFL, you go from a 90-man roster to a 53-man roster every single year, just circulates. Yes, some of the guys on there um, are going to be on there in the next year's team and, and, and have contracts and have long contracts. But guys are thinking about the now, right? Which is unfortunate because we can use this platform to to make change, but the legislation change and le legislative change and things and voting people into office and and having those conversation about the real change, it's so very short lived, and sometimes it's just muted after a guy retires. Uh, that's something I promise to change, not only myself, but the environment of 
the National Football League and its players. Zach, for those just getting started in understanding bias and hate, what recommendations do you have on where they can start? I'm going to, I think it'd be a, a good idea for me to speak on the black side and maybe some of one of you guys chip in in terms of the Jewish side of try to try to somewhat emulate what I'm trying to say. Um, one of the most powerful places I've ever seen in terms of the African-Americans is the African-American Museum in Washington, D.C. It's a very, very powerful building. Very, very powerful building. Very well thought. Hits on, you know, from the lower level, it takes you into the early slave trade and all the way to the top to recent times and recent battles. Um, some other things you can educate yourself on are... are who, you know, people you idolize within entertainment, politics, sports, um, people you look up to, look up their history, look up their passion, because especially a lot of recent athletes, um, honestly, I, I, I can th think of so many athletes who have spoke ab about their past issues and their past history and some, some racial conflicts. Um, some other suggestions would be just <laughs> Google. We can do that in today's world, right? Google things like Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, Cornell West, Rosa Parks, Larry Hughes, Nelson Mandela, Frederick Douglass, and thousands and millions more of names. You'll, 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 you'll find yourself just diving into situations. To create empathy with certain situations, you also have to make it relevant, relative to yourself. So find something that you're extremely passionate about. Um, I, I, and that's something that I've learned, not only being into, not only being in a, a nationally Jewish frat, but also going to USC. And I want to make sure I, I protect my brothers and, and our fraternity. And by saying that, it's a very, very low population of, of black men within our chapter, I should say. I should only speak for my chapter because I don't know any other chapters. It was very, it was, I was one of maybe, I think, four or five. So sometimes when things get going and you get to talking, you hear the misunderstanding and the miseducation of things. So I've learned to make things relative. I've learned how to find what guys are passionate about. You know, whether it be business, whether it be politics, education, et cetera, and find a black man that I know is powerful within their life and then tell them something that's happened to them. And then sometimes that takes research, but with how much research and knowledge I know in terms of black history and the oppression of African-Americans, I understand certain stories where I can make that as relative as I need to. And then it's just creating empathy within human beings. How you do that is is make yourself available for relationship. Just cast people out, which is why I don't believe in the let's all just lock up and fight for our race and anybody who's not our race or anybody who's not our color, our skin tone, we shouldn't associate ourselves with and we should look view as the enemy. That's how I would say. Yeah, that's that's uh, powerful stuff. And uh, I think from the Jewish perspective and just me speaking here, I think uh, you mentioned um, uh, the museum in Washington, D.C., and uh, you've obviously got the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in D.C. Uh, you've got... Sorry for cutting you off. I'm so mad. I, my my D.C. trip got cut so short because of sports. I was so upset that I couldn't go to that. 
But go ahead, carry well, on. Yeah, no. So actually, from a ZBT perspective, we took in 2014, we took the entire ZBT convention to the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. Uh, and uh, it looked like a, an NFL team of uh, buses uh, taken off from the hotel going to the museum. Uh, and uh, we were planning on doing that this summer uh, again because the convention was supposed to be in D.C. And obviously, uh no convention in person, but hopefully we do it again. And we'd love uh, for you to join us next time we're there, if it's able to work out. Just keep um, me informed and reach out to my abs- manager, Sarah. I would love to be there. Absolutely. And then um, I think uh, in Atlanta, uh, you've got the Center for Civil and Human Rights, uh, which uh, is a very powerful place. Uh, and then I, I think the biggest thing, um, again, from my perspective, is being able to travel, meet different people, different, go to different countries, uh, if you're fortunate enough to go to Israel and visit Yad Vashem, uh, that is just an extremely powerful experience. And you mentioned um, the concentration camps, uh, visiting uh, Auschwitz and uh, and others. If uh, if you have the opportunity, is uh, just um, it's one thing to read it, and it's one thing to hear others talk about it, but to actually see it uh, is definitely something something different. So, uh, Zach, as far as um, what should people who are supporting the Jewish community know about the Black Lives Matter movement? And what should those who are supporting Black Lives Movement know about the Jewish community? Just to speak for myself and the Black Lives Matter movement, the Jewish, they need to know that not all Jewish people are rich, white, big-nosed, another racist thing that people use against the Jews rude, stingy, can't say stingy, can't say they, they hold their money, um, just received 60, 000, over $60,000 in one weekend to my nonprofit, my support of the Black Lives Matter movement. So they're open-hearted. And, and like I said, they go, they go through their own stuff. It's, it's just, you have to educate yourself about, if, if anything, man, just look up, like you guys started saying, like, like Martin Luther King marched with Jewish people and the Jews and the Blacks united in, in, in the 1900s and, and let's, let's have a dialogue because it's, it's one of those type of, and a conversation because it's one of those things that's just, it's sickening to hear, you know, it's, it's gotta be, we, we have to disinclude them. They, I know plenty of Jewish brothers and sisters who have, who have donated to my cause out of love. Speaking of love, I mean, that $60,000 are all in increments of 18, which is a powerful number of, uh, uh, amongst the Jewish community and when they donate and, and it means something. And it's, it, it's just, it's hurtful. It's, it's one of those things. If you hear in my voice as a black man who has been through a lot and has, has seen a lot and there has sometimes hasn't seen as much as other black men and women, I'm empathetic towards the Jewish community because like I said, they have been through it too as well. Now to the Jewish community. I want to say this, just because one person represents a color or a race and might make more money and has a successful career and is very, very successful in life. And when they say anti-Semitic comments, it doesn't represent the rest of us. I'm not trying to cast out Deshaun Jackson, but in recent news, there's been a lot of black men stepping out. And I'm just going to say this. They, they, don't, they don't represent all of us. So don't have hate in your heart. Don't do the same thing. Because if you want to preach about anti-Semitism, you can't, you can't, you can't just cast away an entire race and culture because some hurtful men and some people who have been through stuff. Now you gotta, I gotta remind you, right? We've all been through things, so we're talking about, we're talking about very, very 
touchy subjects. It's not about choosing sides. It's about uniting and fighting for something right. I think moving forward, it should be a very, very strong communication between the black and Jewish community about things like gun violence and the availability of guns within our nation, because that's what we have control over. That is something that will definitely unite us. And I understand people are talking about, you know, amendments and, and uh, <laughs> I hate when I hate when people go back and talk about laws that were written a couple hundred ago, a couple hundred years ago by a group of white men who, who, who allowed their peers to give my people a third of a vote or no vote at all. And they thought our brains were shaped different. And they thought, they thought structurally we, and, and in terms of our anatomy, and we could not fulfill the role of a white man. So that's something we're talking about when we talk about the history of our nation and our country. And yes, I understand that there, it brings a lot of opportunity and freedom of speech. It brings a sense of protection and, and the freedom of, of possessing a weapon. But there shouldn't, there shouldn't be, we shouldn't allow people who have racist upbringings and, and mental and those kind of thoughts, the power to be able to kill us and slaughter us anymore. It's just disgraceful. And now let's transition uh, to some other ZBTs that have been or are currently involved with the NFL, including Sid Luckman, Hall of Fame quarterback for the Chicago Bears, uh, Al Lerner, former owner of the Cleveland Browns, Ed Mendel, co-owner of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Doug Hertz, co-owner of the Atlanta Falcons, and Robert Kraft. Uh, owner of the New England Patriots. How is Robert being Kraft on is a, a college? He sure is. Columbia. <laughs> what? How is being on a college football or NFL team and a brother of a fr- of a fraternity similar? Man, it's what are you talking about? It's 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 exactly what a brotherhood is. I'm shocked. I'm so sorry for for the in- inappropriate comment on Robert Crafty. That's awesome. I'm going to give him the handshake next time we play the Pats. Uh, <laughs> It's just that's that's great, you know what I mean? And 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 it's man, like think about the term brotherhood. Just think about it. Think about fraternity. It's something you have to earn. I had to earn my way into the NFL. I'm still earning my way. I'm still earning my right to wear the shield. You gotta earn your right to be called a Z, to know that handshake. And and it it takes you into a, a a certain background knowledge of understanding that no matter what, no one else is is able to call themselves that unless they've earned it. I mean, I think that's the that's the simple simple way of being able to relate it to a, a team sport like football. That's great. Um, so you mentioned earning uh, being a, a player in the NFL and earning being a ZBT, and and both are something you have to continually uh, earn uh, and. Fraternity is often portrayed in a negative light uh, in the media and uh, in the public. And I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are on fraternity and the positive aspects of organizations like ZBT. Did a lot of community service. My, my, my Z brothers, we did a lot of community service. You, uh, you understand the power that you have. Now, remind you, it costs about 60 to 70 grand a year to go to USC. 
So in that situation, you have a lot of people with money already and coming from prominent families and not all SC students are rich. A lot of them are in debt and a lot of them are working their way to pay it off. And the same thing with my brothers. Not all of them are rich. Some of them are still paying the things off. But I think the brightest thing that fraternity does, especially ZBT, is stepping out into those communities, into their local communities and doing work. And then also at a national scale, um, we have chapters all over the world, or not, not all over the world, all over the country, you know what I mean? And, and that, that means we're covering a lot of ground. So I think the best thing that ZBT does as a fraternity is, is its community service. What career aspirations do you have after your NFL career, Zach? Man, just to sum it up for you, guys like Michael Strahan, uh, guys like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, guys like that who are able to have somewhat of, a, of, of an athletic career and carry it on to be able to not only make a lot of money, but also change a lot of, change a lot of hearts and make a lot of change. Dwayne The Rock Johnson goes back into his community, one of my biggest idols in life, goes back, into, goes back to his community in, in, in Hawaii and does a lot of community service out there and speaks, speaks amongst all their kids and stuff. Very, very similar that I do with mine in Guam. Um, and in, on the island side, uh, Michael Strahan does a lot of philanthropy work as well. And so, you know, guys, two guys like that, it, that, that that's what I want to do. So to just give you an also, like, I want to go into broadcast journalism. I, I, I studied broadcast journalism and got my degree in three and a half years at USC. Um, I, I also, while I was there, I worked in the off season at Fox Sports underneath a awesome, amazing soul named Colin Cowherd, you know, running and getting his coffee and getting script notes and things like that. And just having conversation, just having conversation with him and being an intern and soaking up his knowledge and being able to be around him. I think, you know, a lot of people have, have, have told me over my life, over my life that I am able to talk and talk well. I want to be able to use that power to be able to push more important things like community service and Black Lives Matter and anti-Semitism when it happens and before it happens and the conversation of educating people. I just want to have one of those type of lifestyles and faces that carry on beyond football and, and, and just lingers and is just, is just there. You know what I mean? That's great. Yeah. What what uh what haven't you done that you still want to do? <laughs> Give me a little bit. What do you mean by that? Just in life in general. I mean, yeah, in addition to the community service you. that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I mean, I mean, you you meet you you you've met the uh sort of the apex in in making it to the NFL. You mentioned earlier that it was a dream of yours and so uh what what's the next thing? What do you, what do you uh have your sights set on? Oh man, that's a very very Broad but deep question. I like it. Um, dude, I want to play 15 to 20 years in the National Football League. Over so, I want my foundation, the B3 Foundation, uh, my personal foundation to grow. And to grow not only amongst our three communities in terms of uh, Tacoma, Washington, 
the island of Guam and Los Angeles, but to know it's it's a national voice and and a brother to any brother and sister foundation or community service or philanthropy that 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 speaks out and is able to make change. I mean, I I I I want to continue to educate myself on. Dude, I want to go to Shabbat dinners, like straight up. Like once this whole COVID thing is done, like I want, I want to. Uh, there has been so much. Uh, is it? Is it's, it's called challah, challah bread, right? I got to put a little, right, a little flood so, into exactly. it. Exactly. Okay, because yes. I made a mistake yesterday too. In my tweets, uh, Sarah, my manager, <laughs> is correcting me. It's 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 not silent. It's 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 got a little, it's got a little phlegm yeah, to you it. Okay, get I'm, the working I'm working on it. All right, I'm trying to work on it. Like I I, I want to I want to understand. Um, things like what exactly is a rabbi? I'm not impar- embarrassed to answer, like ask these questions. I'm not embarrassed to admit that I didn't know what anti-Semitism was as in terms of a term. I I, I really want to. I, I want to. Uh, you know, we watch we joke about it all the time, but the movie Semi Pro, right? Jackie Moon, right? It's rated R, by the way. Parents don't watch it in front of your family if they have you if you have kids, but. <laughs> <laughs> what they say is is ELE. Everybody love everybody. Like it's it. I, I don't know if you guys can tell from my heart. It, it, we got all the deep stuff out at the beginning, but when I talk about guys like Michael Strahan, I mean he went right off the air, and and there was Michael and Kelly. You know what I mean? He actually used to work at Fox Studios. I I, I met him once. Don't know him as deeply as I do Colin, but hear nothing but good things about him. I mean, those are the type of things that I want to carry on. But guess what, man? Unfortunately, the world doesn't want you on TV and doesn't want you around their their uh, their, their their groups or their organizations unless you kill it on the football field as football players. And I know that from a deep level because I got I got I got cut a couple times in my first year, and then I fall in the laps of a great organization like Pittsburgh, and they and they allow they allow to to mold me. They allow they allow me to to buy in and to be molded by Coach Tomlin and the organization, and to also fall into the community and fall in love with the community so much that I've lived out here every off season in the last two years um, that I'm that I've been out here. I'm going into my fourth year in the league and three years with this team. I'm okay with stepping up to the challenge and understanding that. Uh, you won't get that kind of Michael Strahan job unless you play the 15 to 20 years, 20 year career and, and make Pro Bowls and all pro and stuff like that. So when you guys ask me, what is it that I have left to do? <laughs> there you go. You got quite a bit. So what is the best piece of advice, Zach, that you've ever received? Man, you guys, you guys, you guys like uh, challenge each other who can come up with the deepest, most complicated questions. Let's just rip this guy's soul out before the before the thing. This is this is awesome, but it's just deep. And I'm uh, the best advice I could get is don't waste your time. I don't want to butcher this quote, but it's it's something Ramon Foster, one of my teammates that just retired last year. I'm quoting him in a lot of places, but because he's given me so many quotable things. But he said, "Don't waste your time telling people who." probably don't care about your story make them make them hear your story and what he means by is again continue to rise we live in a very materialistic world and a, a, a world also that that views p- 
people with status and everybody else who falls out of line, right? And certain things. And, and remind you, right? Like, like I said, I went on air yesterday with in another place with, with a professor who's doing so many different, so many good things as not only a Jewish man who's writing on anti-Semitism, but also speaking up against, um, speaking out for the black and brown community in his writing as well. Within his world and within his world of the education of, of education, he is very prominent. So like, I want to remind everybody that not everybody needs to be on TV. Not everybody needs to, 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 to play in the National Football League. Just strive to be the best at what you do because until that dream of yours, right? And this is, I, I really mean this because it's not a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. But until you are able to, to somewhat feel that success, then you're able to use that success for good. Does that make sense, guys? Because I'm not trying to de- de- belittle anybody on this process. I'm really trying to find a way to inspire. But you asked me a question, and that, that's something that's been pushing me and motivating me to get more because I want my voice to be heard. And, and then after it is, then I want to be able to turn the narrative and change the narrative to everybody matters, right, and to everybody's equal and to, and to everybody has a voice. And to be able to give people those voices was just something that I think I find important, especially when we talk about the inner city black community and the inner the inner city community. Period. There's a lot of lot of undereducated people out there, not just in racism and hate, but just in life. The educational system sucks. I, I came from one that sucks, and I I fought I fought my way out of it, and I went to a great institution like USC which was able to give me a much more opportunity than a lot of kids that I have that have it back home. So my inspiration is to keep reaching the top. So that way I will be able to give them a voice and give them a microphone to be able to speak about their issues. Does that make sense guys? Makes yeah. perfect sense. And, and leads into uh, leads actually leads into the next question as far as what is it that actually motivates you? And you sort of hit on it a little bit, but uh, if you can expand on uh, whether it's uh, you mentioned getting up early and working out and uh, how, how do you stay motivated? Dude, sometimes it could be as <laughs> it could be as you know as as relative of of liking to work out and lose weight, so 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 the girls look at you. Um, sometimes it's sometimes it's it's even much more deeper when when you're running out on a football field and you see little black and brown boys like yourself who say Zach Banner, high five, like, and you spend time to take a picture. Like you brighten their day. That's what inspires me to get up every day. Not only the, 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 the beautiful ladies of America, but the little children and the youth as well. Well, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And uh, Brother Banner, uh, I want to thank you for sharing your time with us. Uh, you definitely provide a wonderful example to uh, not only the brothers of ZBT, but uh, humankind. And uh, as much as this uh, hurts me to say uh, as a uh, Crimson Tide fan, I'll say fight on and go Steelers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, guys, you, guys beat us, you guys beat us down uh, pretty good my, my senior year, so you, you can have that. I'll let you talk about that, but... Don't say it again, okay? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, and our thanks to Hunter Lane Gamma Mu University of Memphis 2013 for our music and production support. Oh, I was about to say shout out to Hunter. You know, he didn't really go to that good of a football school, but at least they're good in music and production. <laughs> 
There you go. <laughs> As always, it's great to be a ZVT.